Radio. You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Pet Talk Naturally, the place where your animal friends and nature come together to find health, happiness, and harmony with all the natural things the earth has to offer. Your hosts, Dr. Kim Bloomer and Dr. Jeannie Thomason, each week will lead you through the practice of taking care of your pets with all the wonderful natural elements that nature provides. So, get ready to learn about natural nutrition, preventative pet health, and more with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie. Well, hello, I'm Dr. Kim. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Dr. Jeannie, your other host. And today we're going to be talking about carrot therapy for veterans. And this is another one of our favorite things to talk about how animals help us and how we can help them at the same time. Today we're going to be speaking with Dr. Lauren Lindner. She is a psychologist and an eco-psychologist, and we're going to tell you all about that. Serenity Park Sanctuary, um, ParrotCare.org, which is um, her website. And this is really interesting to me because both Jeannie and I are daughters of veterans, and I'm also the wife of a veteran, so (laughs) this is an important topic for us um, on many levels. And also talking about the special birds, the parrots that Jeannie and I are so fond of talking about. Why, Jeannie? Because you have like two. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Who often participate in our show. Yes, so, um, they do. But before we talk with Dr. Lauren, we're going to take a, a, a short break and hear from one of our radio partners, and then we'll be right back. Don't go away. Time to take a walk down the path to happier and healthier pets. And while we're doing that, you get to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Naturally, Pet Talk Naturally. We'll be right back. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com. Be sure to tune in when Pet Life Radio goes live from Global Pet Expo the world's largest annual pet products trade show. March 25th through the 27th, you can catch all the new products coming out for our pets before they even hit store shelves. From the latest in all-natural and eco-friendly products to the most elegant in pet pampering and high-tech innovations from companies all over the globe. It's at Global Pet Expo. Nearly 800 companies will be displaying new and exciting products to make time with our pets even better. Tune in March 25th through the 27th for everything Global Pet Expo. How many pets is too many? Do you know somebody whose life is overwhelmed by their animals? Maybe we can help. 
We're looking for people to be in a new TV series about really large animal families. We can offer expert help, free resources, and the chance to tell their story. If you or someone you know owns a house full of animals, call us toll-free at 1-877-MY-8-PETS. That's 1-877-MY-8-PETS. Join us every week on Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds. Care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. Everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. From parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos, you'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. We're your hosts, Barbara Heinrich from Good Bird Inc. and Robin Schwokas from the Leather Elves. How do I learn more about my parrots? Spread your wings and get ready to fly. Wings and Things, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We're back, but our nature walk has just begun. Now, back to Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie. Dr. Lauren, welcome, and we are very happy to have you with us today. And in fact, it's kind of, um, it's very special that you're with us just because of the fact that you have an amazingly busy schedule. <laughs> I don't know how you fit this in, to be honest with you. It's amazing to me that you two think I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, a parrot sanctuary, I'm sure, is a lot of work, and we're very excited to talk about all of this. I mean, Jeannie has two African greys, and this is something that's very near and dear to her heart, and we've been sharing in the past, uh, well, this past year, we've been talking more and more about Parrot Rescue, Parrot Sanctuary, we've spoken with, and I'm sure you know her, um, Irina Schultz, um, who has the cockatoo snowball. And um, so we we are, and I know that your sanctuary houses primarily, is it cockatoos? Oh, it's all kinds of parrots. All kinds of parrots. Okay, yeah, good. we've so got we cockatoos talk- and macaws and African greys and oh. yeah. Amazon. Oh, that's exciting. Amazons, yeah, and, and oh yeah, you know, let's not forget the Amazons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they wouldn't like that. They won't let you. They won't let you forget that. Right, <laughs> exactly. You know, we need to. We do want to talk about that a lot. So let's. The the thing that was interesting to us today, because we do talk about the human animal bond. Um, that's one one of the main facets of our show. But this this was really interesting because what what Jeannie and I are really trying to do is help people to understand the nature of animals because we do think that would alleviate a lot of the problems that we see. And, and again, you're doing a lot um, to help in that area and to help the humans. Now, you're, you're a psychologist working with the New Directions program. It's a veteran, a veteran program that helps um, homeless veterans with drug and alcohol problems. And, of course, you had your own parrots our cockatoos, and so would you tell us first of all about this program, New Directions, Dr. Lorna, and I know you're also an adjunct professor, I just don't know where you get all the time, at Santa Monica College, so I know you're very, very busy, but would you tell us what your role was as clinical director with New Directions, and then how this program developed with the parrots? Oh, I'd be happy to, and I have to first say that I'm honored to be on this show, because the theme that you promulgate is the idea that parrots and animals in general are a means of helping humans and that humans also are therefore obligated to help animals. And I just love that. 
And I'm, 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 I really value that concept. So that's what we're trying to do. Uh, New Directions started oh, about oh, 20 years ago now. We celebrated the 20th anniversary. I was the clinical director when the program opened up on the grounds of the VA hospital in, in West Los Angeles, one of the largest VA hospitals in the country. And we started taking in um, homeless veterans. The Veterans Administration didn't realize the extent of the homelessness problem amongst veterans. And then there was a survey done showing in the West Los Angeles area, a third of the homeless actually were veterans. Um, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, of the U.S. military. So that is um, it, it, it is, um, and most of it, no, no one's homeless by, by accident. You know, that right. the, most of the homelessness happens due to um, drug and alcohol addiction and mental illness. And mm. sometimes that mental illness takes the form of a traumatic stress disorder that um, can result as a, a um, function of military service, of combat service. So um, we were seeing a great deal of post-traumatic stress disorder, which you probably are going to hear much more about with the returning veterans from Iraq. Right. In fact, already are. Right. You are, yes. Yes, it has made the news. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. So... Um, we started um, this program, and um, we were a 156-bed program, and we opened a VA, um, offered us to take on another building, and we, we expanded because of the, the extent of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time that was happening, I found myself getting busy. <laughs> and yeah, I, I bet. <laughs> yeah, you know, starting a new program and, and, and um, you know, working with the VA and... I, I realized that my two parents at home, who I rarely left for more than, you know, six hours at a time before, um, because my practice was right across the street. I had a small psychology practice, and I was all content with that, although mm. I, I, I um, volunteered a great deal of time for New Directions. Um, when they opened up on the grounds of the VA, they, they needed a clinical director, and because of my service to them as a volunteer, they said that they were going to offer me the job, and I said, okay, I won't quit my day job. <laughs> if that ever happens. <laughs> and indeed, they, they did. They were true to their word. They're very, very spiritual people. And um, and I, I uh, became the clinical director, and I was out of the house much more than my parents were used to me being gone. Right. So I, at the same time, decided to start a parrot sanctuary because... While I was finding the homelessness problem um, in, in veterans and, and realizing the extent of that, I was also realizing the extent of parents needing to be rehomed. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, so that's growing also at probably at the same rate it is for homeless veterans. You know what? I don't doubt that's true. Mm-hmm. I would imagine it's very similar. And, and I, uh, I think it goes back to, and you've even said this in, a, in, a, in an interview you did with um, uh, Critter, I think, what was it, Critter Crusade, Critter Crusade, Crusade or something, yeah. um, a show that you did, and it's posted to YouTube, which we'll post with this show also, mm-hmm. um, that, that uh, the, since the TV show Beretta came out, and I remember that, and I remember that that has come up more in our conversations with people who are doing parrot rescue or running parrot sanctuaries, that that was what escalated um, the problem with parrots. 
You know, they say that when Clark Gable wore a T-shirt, and it happened one night in the 1940s, the sales of T-shirts went up, you know, exponentially. Mm -hmm. And and I think that the television has been a major influence of consumer trends, and unfortunately it's with parents as well. Just as you may have seen with Dalmatians after 101 Dalmatians. And Chihuahuas now, and and it's happening. Unfortunately, what happens with these... Um, kind of programs, you know, we think it's great. They're showing animals, but what people don't understand is because those animals are trained, and they also use more than one (laughs) on the shows, um, they use, you know, multiple animals, they think that that's how that animal is not only going to, I mean, as soon as you bring it home, it's going to be that magical animal you saw on television (laughs) or in the movie. And and, and it's, of course, a misconception and in mm-hmm. fact, <laughs> chihuahuas and Dalmatians don't make the greatest no, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> um, because they are, they've been very much inbred as a result of all this and, and, and there's lots of problems that I've seen chihuahua definitely. Well, and I do think, Dr. Lauren, that it goes to people not understanding, and this is why we focus on this so hard now or so tight, is that they don't understand the nature. I'm always saying if we understood that a dog is a predator, that, that they're really domesticated wolves, um, then we would understand what, if we understood what that was and that they're a carnivorous animal, when we brought them home, we wouldn't be so shocked if they bit. Um, <laughs> we, we, we need to understand what that means and what their body language is and what, the, you know, what, what, how to respond, to read that. And in our, I laugh when you say that, and I'm, I'm sorry I do so because I don't mean to minimize as veterinarians, I, I, you know, I, I, I've seen the extent of people bringing their animals in because they bite or they snip mm-hmm. at someone to be euthanized. Uh, and how yeah. serious a problem this actually is. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a very and more serious. so because children um, are often in the pathway of that. Mm-hmm. And because they weren't taught how to properly interact with them or yes, even yes. how to care for them. And so we have foregone responsibility um, you know, have. for, you know, it's more like art, or life is imitating art. Um, mm. And so we've got it backwards. Wow, interesting. And that's exactly what was happening with me when I started to see that there were so many parrots being relinquished. What was the problem? Behavioral. Um, yeah. Just like with dogs and cats. They were, they were biting. They were becoming aggressive, as they naturally do in the wild. Mm-hmm. And as exotic creatures who are not domesticated, they right. would become aggressive when they became sexually mature. They would choose one member of the family to attach to, just as they would do in, in, in nature. Mm-hmm. And they would form a family of their own with that new partner. But here, we were expecting them to get along equally as well with all the children, or each spouse, Anyone else who enters the home right. to make it convenient for our purposes. And then didn't we also choose their mate for them? And in the wild, don't they choose their own? And one of the reasons why you see so much um, aggression with parrots in captivity. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. So, so they're we, having. We were doing prearranged marriages with them, and I know humans have fought that for a long time. So. Oh my goodness! I never thought of it that way. I did my dissertation research on that on the on the Japanese and and how and how that affects you know um, the children of more current generations. Yeah, that's so interesting. And so I'm, um, we're, we're you know we expect animals to take things that you know because, oh they're beautiful. And they're wonderful, and 
we have forgotten that they're also intelligent and have their own societies and have their own language and have their own way of interacting. And I think that part of us learning how to live with them is to um, learn about that and respect that and honor that. And, boy, we would see a lot more symbiotic relationships. And I think you are really doing a great job with that with this Serenity Park Sanctuary that you founded. Um, and I'm going to back up for just a bit and say that you also uh, founded uh, – uh, another one with um, what's her name? Um, Jeannie White. Jeannie she White. does the Earth Angel. She's that's a Navy exactly. rehabilitator. That, that's that's exactly right. So that's what happened. It was about 1997. I can't believe it was that long ago already. <laughs> and, um, Time does fly. <laughs> exactly. We were starting. We were opening up new directions on on the VA grounds. And um, I, I thought I, I, I met Jeannie White at the same time, and we were rescuing parrots, and we were trying to find foster homes for them. Um, and then we realized there are not enough homes. <coughs> pardon me. There were not enough homes for uh, for parrots, and the, the best way to go was to have a, a sanctuary. And even then, you're never going to find enough sanctuary spots, you know, placement mm-hmm. slots for right. all the birds. Right, healthy spots is home. what you're saying, right, Dr. Lauren? I mean, yeah, places sorry, where they, you, you know. With healthy spots where they can breathe fresh air and so forth. Exactly. What, what veterinarians, I'm, I'm learning more and more things, are that parrots need fresh air, flock, flock mentality where they can, mm-hmm. uh, where they can be with other members of their own species, what we call conspecifics, and um, they need to have, they need to be able to forage as they naturally do. Right. Because when mm-hmm. parrots are not allowed to forage, um, which is they spend about a third of their time during during the day, uh, and as well as um, grooming each other, they spend another good portion of the day doing when they're not allowed to do that, and they're kept in cages like mm-hmm. little jailbirds. They are therefore going to resort to other behaviors, and everyone's oh so so they're always wondering why is my parrot plucking? Why right. is my parrot chewing its feathers? Or even doing worse self-mutilative behaviors. Yeah. We're wondering this that. Reminds, we're, yeah, we're this reminds me of all the natural behaviors. Yes? It, it's exactly like what we're doing to horses. Oh, it reminds yeah. me of the exact mm-hmm. same thing because yes. horses need to forage all day long also. And be, their, their, their health comes from movement. So, exactly, yes. Um, I think that because they're both prey animals, they do need to operate instinctively as a group. And, um, you know, as a flock or a herd. And I think that, you know, we have not, we have certainly not, animals have given us so much. And I really do think that what you're working in to educate, not just to help rehabilitate parrots that have PTSD, because I do think that's what it sounds like. I believe um, that both my parrots and my veterans have PTSD, yeah. Both of them, helping each other and recognizing that in each other and helping each other heal. But we could eliminate, we could at least alleviate this um, pressure if we would learn about their nature and honor that to however we can. You know, I, I mean, animals have accommodated us a long time. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I struggle with what is the best way because I know that the human beings, when they they got in touch with this empathy for other animals, and I know that they're compassionate, and I know that they most people love animals. Mm-hmm. So, what, so how can we reach them to let them know, especially wild animals like birds? People don't realize that birds are a wild animal. Mm-hmm. How how that we can't keep these animals in captivity? That we, I mean, of course, the ones that we have and we love, and they eat our right. oatmeal with us in the morning. It's one thing, but how do we yeah. try to 
teach people not to buy birds because one of the reasons I did hesitate to do even radio shows that are so educational and wonderful like this one, that I know that what, what the end result is going to be people calling me and saying, can you please take my parrot? No. They sound perfect for parrots. Every uh, article yeah. that ever gets published on us, every radio show, every talk show we ever do, it, it, it always results in people realizing, you know what? These birds should not be in captivity. Great, but we already have them. What do we do now? And would you please take them to your sanctuary? Oh, no. You know what I I would encourage our audience to do is they hear you say that, Dr. Lauren, because I really do feel that our audience has been, any, especially any of those who have been listening from the beginning and from when we started, is that the responsibility, the responsibility lies with us. And so as they learn, we're hoping that they will do their best to accommodate that and to help others learn about it so that that doesn't, so that we don't flood the sanctuaries and rescues because right. our whole goal is to stop that. And <laughs> from there's happening. not enough sanctuaries. There's, there's not enough exactly. placement slots in sanctuaries. I mean, I'm just about full. Many of the other sanctuaries are, are, are filling up so quickly if they're not full already. And so what we're learning is important for birds is to be outdoors, is to be in flocks, is to forage, is to be allowed to, to mate, although not breed because there's just right. too many birds out there that and need to bond already. Mm-hmm. We need them to bond and to, to mate but not breed. And we need them to be in sunshine. We need them to be able to fly, what you were saying about movement. Yeah. It's so mm-hmm. critical. It's part of their, their brain structure. If to mm-hmm. not be able to fly, it's... I mean, it, it, it oh. actually interferes with the rest of their development, socially, sure. intellectually, um, and of course physically. So, um, what 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 we what I, Jeannie and White, Jeannie White and I found was a lovely couple who was, who had an extraordinary botanical gardens up in Ojai, California. They allowed us to bring birds there um, because there would be no neighbors to complain. Because that's one of the reasons why people relinquish their parrots is because mm-hmm. of the, the noise. Um, and, and you get an parents animal, aren't quiet, are they? <laughs> no, they're not. You get an animal that can call to each other through the thick forest canopies miles apart, and you wonder why the, you know your neighbors might complain. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and then so, you said something also, Doctor Lauren, in your video that these parrot, when you're out of range, you're considered part of their flock, as right. you know, when they're living with you. So when you're out of their sight to work or to run your errands, whatever that. That parrot considers that you need to be, they need to know where you are, so they're going to call for you. Very good Much voices. to maybe, maybe to, if you live in an apartment, might not keep your neighbors very happy. Exactly. <laughs> you really did do your homework on this. I, I mean, this is, I mean, that's exactly the truth. And, and what I did with my, my cockatoos, um, and it's not easy, but this is one of the things people can do. I, I, you know, of course, I'm a behavior specialist, so it came a little bit easier to me, but there's ways to learn to do this, and I'm happy to maybe post this on my website or help people with this because it's the behavior problems that make people want to give them up the most. Exactly. And, and you want to help people learn how to think like a parrot. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if your parrot, if you walk out of, if you're out of range, either visually or auditorily or whatever it is, from a parrot, they think you are in danger because if it, as a flock animal or a herd animal like horses, prey animals, they, they are at risk when they're individual, when they're, mm-hmm. at, you know, they're, they're away from the rest of the group. Yeah. So, so um, that's, you know, whenever you see, you know, National Geographic or anything, you always see the animal that's lagging behind or, you know, wanders away from the herd. That's the one that's targeted by the predator. So, right. um 
you, uh, you know, so you, anyway, you, you want to, um, make sure that you can, you, hey, are you there? Hey, are you still there? Did you, you're wandering too far away. Mm-hmm. So they're calling <laughs> to you. When you yeah. yell back and say, shut up, they don't know the difference. Oh, okay, you're there. I'll keep there calling you. Are, you, yeah. you know? <laughs> so you just keep reinforcing the behavior. That's not how you do it. So what I would do, it took a while, but I trained my birds to whistle for me instead mm-hmm. of screech. So if I'm at a range, I started whistling. If I went to the bathroom or ran into the kitchen, I would whistle. And they learned right. to whistle to know that I was in range for them. And wow. there's ways to do this. There's plenty of behavioral modification techniques. I mean, we're supposed to have a big brain, right, humans? <laughs> you would think. <laughs> you know? well, that's the issue. Well, and you know, and I just, um, I, I wrote something recently about that, Dr. Lauren, that when we were children, we interacted with animals so much more. And, of course, we were outdoor children. We weren't children that sat inside playing video games, so we were more in touch with nature, so we understood animals better because we were with them. And I think that we've really lost touch with that, and I really do think that's why we're seeing these problems grow um, so exponentially and so quickly. And um, hopefully that we're all making a little bit of a drip to help, you know, help the the uh, um, people out there that have these animals understand. First of all, it's a huge commitment. Parrots live a really long time, and that's I don't right. think people understand that they can live as long as humans. That's exactly right. So they need to pre- be prepared for that before they bring one home. Just because it matches your furniture, because they're beautiful, isn't a good enough reason, I don't think. And, well, <laughs> and I know you see that how often people, yeah, uh-huh. and how often people say that to me. Yeah, You're, and that just still shocks me to hear that. I've heard that about even dogs and cats, which yes. just blows my mind, and oh, yeah. I don't understand that. Now, going to your um, therapy program here with the veterans, I think one of the things that really caught my attention was when you first started this, it was because you noticed that when you would bring your parrots with you, the whole interaction with the veterans changed. You were trying really hard to do all of the things that you know to do as a psychologist with them, but the parrots were what made the breakthrough for you, weren't they? Oh, you summed that up perfectly. Yes, I was. I, Jeannie and I started Earth Angel. We, we, we were going up to Ojai from Los Angeles, and every weekend I would bring the veterans with me as part of an excursion for them. Really, it was you know to get them out of the, the program for the week for the for the day, but also it was to help me. You know, these are big, strong former yeah. veterans. You know, they helped me with building perches and and you know mm-hmm. chopping the vegetables and cleaning. You know, just regular maintenance. Mm-hmm. So it was perfect. I thought, all right, they get to go out for the day, and then and I get to use their free labor. Mm-hmm. What I didn't realize was going to happen was I saw these tough guys who were in my group therapy, uh, you know, classes during the week who would sit there resistant and in denial and emotionally blocked, and I'd see them holding these parrots and talking sweetly and compassionately mm. and showing empathy that I never saw emerge during any of these group therapy, you know, interventions. So I thought, something's happening here. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it with, you know, the third eye, and I said, you know, this is something that um, might be useful in terms of, of therapeutic intervention. And sure enough, I, you know, you know in, in VA time, it was very quick. It took, only took about six years <laughs> to uh, get wow. to VA. Wow, yeah, that is quick for VA. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is. I mean, you figure with any large institution, you know, to get the approvals and, and, right. and to get to go ahead, and I had some very insightful and 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 um, 
you know, in, in individuals in the administration who said, you know what, this would be a good thing for these veterans, and we want to try anything that can help them. So um, they allowed me to take a dilapidated basketball court on the grounds of the West LA VA Hospital and, um, and tear that up and put in some large aviaries so the birds can fly and interact with their own species. We put only, you know, same species in each aviary. We had four large um, 1,000-square-foot aviaries for each species. The Amazons get one, the cockatoos get one, the Indian ringnecks get one, and the um, macaws. So um, they have large flocks. Um, they get to forage, and um, the veterans come in, and they actually have their post-traumatic stress groups inside the aviaries, mm. and uh, they also work there. The reason the VA allowed me to do this is I promised <laughs> that I would pay the veterans that it would not cost the VA any money, that I would hire veterans to do this. You were so smart, Dr. Lauren. <laughs> that was a smart move on your part because well, that's really what they care about. Bottom line, I think, is well, the money you know, or the economics. They, you know, they want to see the therapeutic interventions made available, but they can't always afford, you know, right. like to, to allow for it. So, but you went further than that, didn't you? I mean, didn't you start Urban Rose Gardens? I mean, aren't these guys gardening as well? And oh, that was already pre-existing. That wow. that was the brainchild of a woman, a social worker there who started out, um, and she was an occupational therapist, I think, also. She started out started out 25 years ago, and it's part of the horticultural work therapy program that the VA has, and that has expanded out to other programs. And now they're asking us to expand the, yeah, it's a wonderful program. And now they're asking us to expand uh, the parrots as well to other VA facilities. Oh, yes, that is so awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. I was hoping you would say that because I do realize that this is the first bird rescue that is on government property. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, the government doesn't pay for it, and it's not like I own right. the land or anything like that. I always have to make sure people understand that, because a lot of people, you know, are, are, are interested in making sure that veterans get services, and that we're, they're not just, um, we're not just opening up parrot sanctuaries on, on right. the VA grounds. This is, this is definitely for the veterans, and um, when you see these guys come in, and I'll use uh, Matthew Simmons as an example. He came down from New Directions. I try to take all my guys from New Directions, first of all, because I'm most familiar with that program. I was the clinical director there for 10 years. I um, I know that the program really functions well. It's a one-year residential treatment program. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the um, National Institutes of Health suggest that a minimum of six months should be done for any kind of drug or alcohol problem in patients when, it, when it's a real intractable problem. So um, this program is one-year residential, and the guys get job training, and they, they, it, they're, they're really, really given a lot of services, and they, they come out of there very well prepared to, to work and, and to be you know, more um, available to society. And so I like to choose these guys about six months into their program um, when they have their drug and alcohol problems you know, you know, under control, and and I can rely on them, and they they come. I, I um, do a selection process, and I ask their case managers to to choose guys that they think would be best suited for working in this garden setting uh, with the parrots. Uh, well, this one guy sort of reluctantly was sent down because he was sort of a problem child in the program. He was, you know, he he didn't really want to be there, and he he was um sort of court ordered, and and so he just thought, um, well, you know. I'll come down, take care of the chickens, you know, I don't know what these, he, he's never had, <laughs> no experience with parrots whatsoever. 
and um, he came down, and he, he, you know, he was good with the with the broom, as most uh, veterans are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, he he did some good cleaning up and and all that. But he really, he, he, he you know, he was afraid of them. He thought, you know. He, he, he really thought he was coming into a chicken coop. He's like, taking care of birds? What kind of birds? You know, what are you talking about? So uh, he was a tough guy, and um, and he just, I mean, I wish everyone could just see how he softened in the presence of these animals. More and so if they, they watch the video, Dr. Lauren, because he is passionate about these birds now. Oh, yeah. I mean, you should see him now. Now... He, I mean, I mean, he, of course, he knows everything. He knows more about parrots than I do now. I mean, <laughs> he's unbelievable. And he started his own business. He still takes. He's still our park manager, and he mm-hmm. selects all the guys, and he makes sure he selects guys who, you know, he even took me recently. We have another uh, Navy vet there, and we have a couple of Marines. And he said, uh, "Look at Kevin. Isn't he just like I was when he when I first started?" Because <laughs> this new guy is like a little, you know, tenuous with the birds. He's not mm-hmm. sure. You know, um, but but sure enough, you know, the the other day he's. I said, I you know, I was trying to you know, down talk him a little bit by saying, you know, um, you know the white bird that we just got. He said, you mean the the sulfur crested cockatoo? Yeah, mom. Of course I know. You know, I was like, oh my god, he's really getting it. And so Matthew chooses all the the, the new guys, and he started an aviary construction business. That um, now he's building aviaries for people who are realizing that, okay, my bird is chewing her feathers, she's screaming, she's biting, what do I do? I, I don't want to relinquish her because I know that there are not enough placements. You know, wherever she's going to go, someone else is going to have this problem within a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And she's going to go from home to home oh, to home. And oh, I care too much about her. Yeah. So he's building aviaries for people in their backyards, on their balconies, in their spare sunrooms, wherever they have the space. And um, some of these people, of course, are in Los Angeles and Malibu and Beverly Hills, and they're building mm. enormous things, which are Beautiful. gorgeous. Yes. And then we're, he's also getting them to take in birds, to rescue oh, some extra birds. Good. You know? Okay, so Matthew, really... we just applaud yeah. you. <laughs> oh, well, I, I can't believe this guy, you know, came along, because I don't think I'd be able to operate the sanctuary without them. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's just really amazing what you guys are doing because what happens is then the birds are also healing. And yes. from, you know, because neglect, I think, is one of the biggest things. Um, yes. Being stuck in a, you know, it's like they're in solitary confinement when they're a flock animal. Mm-hmm. And then the these truth? guys are healing. They're coming out of their own shells and they're coming out of their PTSD and learning to cope socially because of how they inter- because, interact. Because yeah, I think one of the veterans said it's not as easy, um, you know, a dog will forgive you really readily and get in your lap, mm-hmm. but um, a parrot, it's going to take a little bit of work and you're going to have to build trust and you're going to have yeah. to build a relationship and each animal is so individual that you're going to have to build an, a relationship with each one individually. It's not going to be a group thing. <laughs> That's right. And trust and compassion. Trust. I mean, you, you, you can't fake that. No, no. you can't. Well, tell us about Willie. He was a Navy. I'm sorry, Jeannie. That's okay. Tell us about Willie. He was a Navy veteran who didn't want anything to do with... Um, Parrots or birds, and uh, what was his first experience? Well, he he came down, and it was Ruby. It was, I mean, Ruby pretty much can get into anyone's heart, but she chose him. 
Mm-hmm. And she decided she wanted to, to befriend him, and he, he couldn't believe that this parrot, who really um, was very spooky, she had come there, uh, she had fallen out of a tree. She was one of the wild, one of our own wild parrots of mm-hmm. Telegraph Hill. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have a lot of wild parrots in Southern California. Um, she was in Pasadena, and she had fallen out of a, a, a tree. An animal control picked her up, and she was brought by one of the other parrot rescues in the, in the area. Um, to to us, and she um, was very spooked. Uh, you know, she had broken a tail, and she had to have um, veterinary care, so she was a little scared of you know anyone coming to her because she thought she was going to get another <laughs> treatment. You know, right. so so she was spooky, but she attached to him, and she let him do her care, and mm-hmm. and he couldn't believe that this bird trusted him, and he had, you know, he has PTSD, and he really, uh, he was in Desert Storm, and he just felt like he was, he was having such a hard time trusting, and he saw this animal willing to give him his, her trust, and, mm-hmm. and he started really interacting with her, and, and I guess that's all she wrote. <laughs> Did she, she, didn't she tell him that she loved him? And maybe not in so many words. Some of our parents can't actually say, I love you. <laughs> and that's I, very, I believe that, yeah. Yeah, but um, but she, not in so many words, but she certainly did. And she's, in her she's in her to this day so excited to see whenever she sees him. But he was able oh. to bond with just about all the birds. And I'm not sure how he did. I mean, there are some birds that still chase me around the community. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but um, there's something that he just... Yeah, really has they might recognize similar, similar, you know, um, trauma. I, 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 I think, think that's what that. it is. I, I really do. I, I really think that's what it is. I had no idea that there was such huge homelessness among uh, veterans, especially I think in Los Angeles you have the largest population of homeless military veterans, so that this can help those that are in this program because you said that primarily they're homeless um, either because of drug and alcohol problems or just PTSD, which somehow that's just not something that we seem to recognize when a lot of these guys come back, it's pretty serious what they have to go through. And then right. um, then they come back and have to, especially the Marines and um, the Army, not to negate Navy and, and Air Force, but just that they're on the ground and seeing right. a lot of that action. So um, they come back, and the interesting thing to me is this parrot and this man, these big burly guys, can come <laughs> back and, and find peace because of each other and healing yeah. because of each other and I'm just I want to thank you that you instituted this and I love the name of it Serenity Park mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because I think that's what you're really teaching and and bringing a symbiotic relationship between teaching the birds how um, not all humans are bad <laughs> mm-hmm. and at the same time helping heal our veterans which I think is the least we can do for them so I, I think that what you're doing is really great, uh, Dr. Lauren, and I, I thank you that you got this started so that it's going to be going. Um, hopefully it'll just grow around the nation. I also understand that you were, uh, if you're currently writing a book now with um, Dr. Gabe Bradshaw and, Dr. and also Phoebe Greenlinden, is that on um, Through the Eyes of a Parrot or Through a Parrot's Eyes? Uh, Dr. Bradshaw has so many projects in the fire. I'm just happy to be <laughs> part of, of anything uh, she's doing. Um, yeah. we, she and I wrote, um, uh, uh, I guess, three articles together, um, mostly on post-traumatic stress and, and um, other species, yeah. 
So are you working on a book together, or is that... Um... There, there's so many things, and I would imagine that a book is definitely... And I'm certain she's working on a book, and I'm certain that if I can have any... Um, Part of that. Happy <laughs> right, right. Now tell us about the a little other, you, you're also an eco-psychologist. Would you tell our audience what that is? Well, you, um, ecology and psychology are intricately bound, you know, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we uh, our minds, uh, we're not too far away from um, just stripping away some of the civilization and being really part of nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're just, we're just a, a few generations away from that. And um, ecology influences psychology. Psychology influences psychology. All interrelated. Ecology. Mm-hmm. It's all related. I mean, th- think of it. Think of it this way: um, th- Does the fact that the the um, polar ice caps melting and the, the possibility of polar bear extinction affect us? Of course, that's the mm-hmm. ecology affecting our psychology. We get depressed and anxious over the ecological catastrophes we, we hear. You know, we hear about this over and over again. And as, mm-hmm. as, 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 as uh, can we use our psychology to also help with these ecological um, issues? Of course, we can. We can think about how to be more conservative in terms of our use of natural resources. Mm-hmm. We can. We can. Um, we can, of course, be more green and living, and more simplicity living, and not have to buy into all the. Um, marketing propaganda to always um, have things because things are ways of keeping our economic machinery going. There you go. Don't watch mainstream TV. (laughs) (laughs) I have a big, I I have bumper sticker on my television saying kill your TV. And I finally got rid of it. More and more people are, are beginning to see that, you know, it really, because you, you, as you watch, you know, I, I've watched progressions in movies, and first everybody had flat screen panel computers, and then now everyone has to have the big flat screen TVs, and it oh, just kind of yeah. just keeps going. And yeah, of that, course, that's the price never is ending. rising. That's never yeah, ending. Yeah, yeah. You know, ph- philosophers have talked about that for, for, for a long time, that, that these, these things, these material things, help to satisfy something that's, that's lacking in us, that, just like with native peoples, when we take, when we remove ourselves from our natural cultural heritage, which is mm-hmm. being a part of the natural world. I mean, mm-hmm. our greater cultural identity really is about our, our natural selves, our, our selves that are related to all, all of nature. We're not too far from, you know, we talk, now we, 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 we split it off as tree huggers and bunny huggers and all that. <laughs> but of course we are. I mean, we are natural world beings. Right, and, and we shouldn't. We, we, the more detached we get from that, the more we need things to satisfy this emptiness, this, this well, you loss have, uh, that we have. I think you have a little motto that kind of encapsulates that in a real short phrase, and it's condors, not condos. There you go. That's a that's a bumper sticker from the Center for Biological Diversity, which does great work. <laughs> and yeah, yeah we that's have that on our kind of. That encapsulates it right there, really, you know, thinking about that. And we hope, really, that by having um, people like yourself come and share what you're seeing and, and what's happening in human society, because animal society is beginning to mirror human society because of so many things that we've done wrong. And I know you're part of the Curulous, uh, is it Curulous? Um, society, uh, organization that is working to help um, understand that animals have psychological needs just like we do, and, and this is where we're seeing the behavior 
so-called problems that really is because of human lack of understanding um, yeah. about animals. And, uh, yeah, so and, 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 and I hope, I, I just hope more and more people listen to your show. <laughs> oh, we do too, but we do on, because we so want to see this change. Uh, you know, I don't, I think that the, the, the amount of need for rescue and sanctuary has just escalated, um, because people just don't understand that animals are not disposable. And right. that they, that we must do our homework before we bring them home. Jeannie was not, she wanted a horse just like I always did. She was not allowed to get that horse until she had done not only the study of the animal's nature, but the physiology of that animal and anatomy of that animal. Yes. So that she and went to school, went to, went to riding schools and everything else. But, but oh. I had a grandfather that instilled that into me, you know. Oh, I, I knew what, to know what we were getting into. How so. That's the, and that's I do the lacking that, today. That's a responsibility that I think that parents need to um, do with their children so that they I can do. teach them. And, and, and when we had pets growing up, these animals were our responsibility to care for, to feed, to understand their nature, to understand what they needed. They needed and, and basic sunshine and outdoor time. And you know what I mean? They had to, we had to understand what, their, what they needed to eat and not just stuff that you buy packaged in bags at a store. So those were things we that we really learned. relinquished our responsibility that much. To convenience, realize. Yeah. Convenience, um, Dr. Lorne, and, and and another behaviorist who's been a guest on our show um, a number of times, um, Dr. Myrna Milani, who is a, as a veterinarian. She says we um, we can we can relate to animals as meets our needs or as meets their needs. If we have to choose, and we do, and we must, what's it going to be? And, and I think that that is a motto for us to live by. Uh, what are we going to do? Are we going to continue to meet just our selfish needs, or are we going to um, respect and honor that animals are a gift and they are um, they they they're living beings that have you know minds and emotions also, and so we need to honor that by knowing about them. Uh, I love that, and I'll, I'll just say my final piece on that. It reminds me of John Speed who wrote that. If we could extend our um, identities to all other species, then we would have a moral obligation to protect them just as we feel our own self-protective needs. Mm. Yes. You know, we would, That's we would a good feel, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Dr. Yeah. Lauren, we've run down to the end of this show, and what I'd like to do um, as we're closing, first of all, is remind everybody to go to your site at parrotcare.org. And also, because you do operate on donations, we hope that people, come on, you guys, you know, the abundance comes when you get up off of it and give. (laughs) To help a good organization like this and to see that these animals um, are healed and that they're also helping our veterans, I think that would be a really great way to... Um, to help on a lot of levels um, see some of the societal problems um, alleviated so that you can Thank donate you. And it's there. a tax deduction. It's a ta- it's for there a you go. <laughs> and a tax deduction, and it's the end of the year, so you know right. you don't want to be thinking about that. Um, Dr. Lauren, what words of wisdom do you most want to impress upon the audience in closing? I'd say just to open your hearts and really feel what it might feel like to be that other animal before you either think of purchasing one um, and be sure to adopt and not buy, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but also to to just realize that um, what it would be like to be in a cage for the rest of your life. 
Mm-hmm. And I think some of these guys, uh, um, prisoners can certainly relate to that, and also some of the oh, guys sure. that have had problems. So, you know, I don't think I'd want to be isolated in a room in a six by nine cell my entire life, and I'm sure animals are wondering, what did I do to deserve to get here? Um, and so I thank you for that, and I thank you for the work you're doing, um, Dr. Lauren, and we hope to see that a lot more of this is uh, instituted in VA grounds around the country. Hint, hint, hopefully they're listening. <laughs> um, and we thank you for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to be yeah. with us and um, applaud you so for your work. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for what uh, you know what? We feel like we're just here and we can provide the platform and we just hope that more people will um, use that as an opportunity to share the importance of what our animals need. And thank you again, Dr. Lauren, and uh, we wish you so much success in everything that you're um, doing and undertaking. My goodness, thank you. <laughs> and now we're at the end of the show, and uh, Jeannie, in the spirit of love and truth, we hope you all have a... Tail wagging, hoof stomping, wing flapping, perfectly animal talking day. Pets and nature come together every week on Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim Bloomer and Dr. Jeannie Thomason. Learn how to care for your pets with all the wonderful natural elements that nature has to offer so your pets can live a happy, healthy, and harmonious life. Pet Talk Naturally, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com Naturally.